Uh, faith. Faith, it's a word that we hear often as Christians. What is it? What is faith? Of course, we, we live by faith. We're saved by faith and we live by faith, right? I mean, we, it's that instrument that God has given us. He's gifted us with this, but yet it's, it's almost something that's hard to explain in some senses. And that's why we have a Hebrews 11, which dedicates a whole chapter to what faith is as it's illustrated. So we're taking a grand look at the heroes of the faith. The heroes. It's known as the Hall of Faith, isn't it? Chapter 11. It's a, I think it's a tremendous view of what faith is. So sometimes if we kind of forget what this is about, it's good to go here. These illustrations are really helpful to us. And uh, the first illustration that we saw in Hebrews 11 was Abel. And Abel brought the sacrifice that God desired. And so he worshipped God. Of course, all of these men worship God. But that's one that stands out. He had the proper sacrifice, uh, that animal that was typifying Christ. And so that was the worship of faith. And then the next one we looked at was Enoch. And Enoch walked with God. Right? Enoch walked. And of course, the first illustration that we saw was um, as we talked about Abel, he worshipped God. Well, of course, in this next illustration of Enoch, of course he worshipped God too. But what is emphasized there is his walking. So you first worship God and you walk with God and then those two cannot be separated. And we get into the third one which is what we're at today and this is Noah who worked He had a work of faith, didn't he? And his work was building that ark for 120 years. And so he showed his faith by his works. And therefore, we get the title of our message today, Faith Works. And that sounds almost like two extreme opposites, doesn't it? We know we are not saved by our works. But yet at the same time, when we are saved because of what Christ did, because of His work, we're saved by works, His work. We now have works that are fruitful for God. And so this is what is really emphasized today. So we saw the worship of faith. We have seen the walk of faith. And now we have what? The work of faith. Faith works. By uh, looking at the seventh verse in chapter 11, we get a lot of information about Noah just in one little verse. Um, but in Genesis, we get the rest of the story. And of course, that's where we first get it. If you look in the Old Testament first, of course, we know Noah and the ark. It's uh, the, the favorite, one of the favorite Bible stories of kids. And I think most people worldwide have heard something about Noah and the ark, whether they make fun of it or uh, don't believe in it. Uh, we know that there are many cultures that have that in their traditions, in their religions. They will bring forth the story of Noah and a flood. And you can go throughout all of the world and hear some of those stories. So isn't that amazing? Something so catastrophic, you would think it would still have been handed down to the people as it was. 
Now, we don't have a lot of detail in chapter 11, verse 7. The detail here is that He prepared an ark, but we don't know why. If you just read this verse, we obviously know why, but uh, it's not really given here. But it refers to things not yet seen. That's a key line there. Um, By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen seen. And that's where faith comes in. Faith doesn't see. Not by our senses. Our five senses. You go back and you think of the story that's in Genesis chapter 6. I think it's one of the most remarkable Old Testament illustrations of faith is Noah. One of the most remarkable in all of history because of what it involved in this flood judgment. We look in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. We see that God said to Noah, you notice God is speaking to Noah. This is the Word of God coming to him. The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth tells him details on how to build this ark, this huge ship. The end of all flesh has come before me. I'm going to judge the earth. I'm going to drown them all except you and your family. About 1,500 or more years have passed since the creation and now we're at this time in 1,500 years. It's not that long, is it? Comparatively. 1,500 years story of man on the earth just got worse and worse after that sin. The fall and mankind has seen how sinful he is. Sin is just running flagrantly. It's rampant. It's an ever-increasing, escalating disaster. It's an offense to God. So He delivers a decree And he says, I'm going to destroy this whole earth. I'm going to drown the human race. That's rather extreme, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It had to be. I'm sparing you, Noah, and your family. That's it. It's you. I think this is the most remarkable judgment ever in the Old Testament. The destruction of the entire human race. Now, He has brought on judgment to Israel. We know there was Babylon, and of course we think of the Assyrians, and we think of other nations. Babylon was, uh, of course, they were judged, and uh, the Assyrians, the the Greeks, the Romans, they've all been judged, those empires. And there were many nations uh, even taken out, and they live no more. And then there's individual judgment. For he says in Hebrews that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So whether it be individually or whether it be periodically through massive judgments, and this was massive, taking out everybody but one family. That does not sound ordinary, does it? This is true. And so anyway, He intervenes in human history in a 
cataclysmic fashion. Something that had never been done before and it won't be done like that again as far as the drowning of people. It's quite a great cataclysmic judgment. We don't take it for granted. The, it's really the second most astounding event in the Old Testament. The first one being creation. God created. Created the heavens and the earth in six days. That is amazing, isn't it? That supernatural comes from God. So we're just going to look at what God said He was going to do in this verse 7. And what He tells Noah to do. And then we'll see how Noah demonstrated his faith. For that is why we are studying Hebrews 11. All of these people in Hebrews 11, these heroes, demonstrate faith. And if you're a Christian, you too demonstrate your faith. Let's all stand. Let's read this precious Word. Hebrews 11.7 starts off with what we've seen before. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Father, we thank You. Thank You for producing faith. As You gave the Word of God, You produced faith in Noah's heart. And so he acted upon that. He obeyed. And he preached Your judgment and Your righteousness. And He was rewarded for it. Lord, help us to understand faith a little bit more today. Revealing to us a little bit more that we didn't know and how we can apply it to our own lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. So we have one verse today. There's no way I could crowd anything else in. First point is faith is produced by the Word of God. Starts with the Word of God, doesn't it? Uh, in Romans 10.17, you all know it, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And however that is brought to us, but it's the Word of God that works in us as the Spirit of God impresses upon us that what God says is true about Himself, and what He says about salvation is true. And so, it starts with the Word of God, and that's what we have here in Hebrews 11, by faith Noah being warned by God. God spoke to him. It's a personal word from God to Noah. God has a personal letter to you. You know that? It's personal. Even though it's to everybody, it's personal to us as we realize that 
He is our God. He desires to speak to us. Here it is. He creates the faith for Noah to do what he did. It wasn't because Noah was such a righteous man the way it was, such a righteous saint. He was such a good guy. It wasn't because he had a grandfather by the name of Enoch. Of course, he walked with God, right? It was because God revealed Himself to Noah's heart and placed within him a word. Of course, Noah is a righteous one, but nobody's good. Nobody's righteous except really for the person of Christ. In Noah's case, it will be many years later. But the case is, that's how that righteousness develops and works. How blessed Noah was that God would reveal to him this truth. If there was nothing more about the life of Noah, that there would be no flood, no ark, no animals, no rainbow, the story about God giving Noah the Word of God is amazing in itself. Right there. If God were to do nothing else but at least say, I am God, and I'm showing you that I am God, and you need me. If He said nothing else, that would be a treasure, wouldn't it? But He has revealed much more. Why do we take it such for granted? Look, we have a whole book that shows who He is and how we relate to Him. So, Noah was blessed that God came to him, made Himself known, made His purpose known. And we know in Genesis it says that Noah found grace. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He found favor. He found grace. Grace found Him. But again, we can see that faith is this. It's the ability to see reality as God sees it. Faith is the substance or the what? The reality of things hoped for. I mean, faith is a substance. It's a reality of things you hope for. Future. And the evidence or conviction of things not seen. Here in Hebrews 7, by faith Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen. He believed God not just because of what He had done, but He believed God for what God was going to do and He hadn't seen it yet. And it's something that He had never experienced, really had no idea of how this would take place. It's the ability then to see reality as God sees it. That includes the visible and the invisible. So we live by faith. We would like to see things. We would like to see supernatural events happen all the time. It doesn't work that way. He has mainly shown that we live by faith. We trust in Him. We trust. We trust. Faith is reality as God sees it. Things that we're hoping for. So Noah believed this warning of judgment. He believes it. Faith says, if I am to believe the promises, I also have to believe 
the warnings that God gives and His judgments that He will give. Humans don't like to hear that. It's not natural to say, oh man, I love judgment on this earth. I I love to be judged and condemned and all the world. I love that. No, we don't look forward to judgments. By the way, we as Christians have all the hope we'd ever need because the wrath of God will not come upon us because the wrath came upon Jesus Christ. and Our sins were taken there to cross if we trust in Him, right? So, the great exchange happened there, but for the ones that have not trusted in Christ, God's judgment will come upon them. God warned Noah as He spoke to him. So, the promises are great, but the judgments are there too. The convictions are there. Had Noah ever seen a flood before? No. I won't stretch it. It's probably true that he never had even seen rain. I can't really prove that scripturally. Um, we know that in Genesis it says about there was a, a vapor, a mist, uh, there was you know some kind of something, water that was would be upon the earth to, you know, to keep the vegetation growing and such. Um, however it is, God kept all that alive. So he could have seen a rain, Gentle, we don't know, but I can say this is totally foreign to him. Especially when you're talking about this uh, a flood. It never flooded like that. So, faith takes God at His Word. And it means things that we don't even know or can explain why this will happen. Once again, we need the Spirit of the Lord, don't we? along with the Word of God, to trust in something that we have never experienced and we don't know what this is going to do. That's calling for great trust, isn't it? When you have something happen to you, or going to happen to you, all you can do is trust God in it, however that may be. We need a move of heaven in our souls to be able to make the truth in our heads come down to our hearts to be a reality, don't we? We say, yeah, I hear it here, but man, I don't know if I really believe it here. You know, uh, Even salvation is about that. If you believe in your heart, right? First having your head takes it to your heart. You confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the process of salvation there, isn't it? It takes a move of heaven to, to make reality burn in our hearts even though we haven't seen it. We need God. And we need to make him to have him produce his word in our lives. So we have that first part there by faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen. That takes faith, doesn't it? Now, the next line here. In reverence. Prepared this art. In reverence or in fear. Some of your translations may have fear. Mine has reverence. They're both good. Hebrews 12.28 Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. 
for our God is a consuming fire. That is a serious statement, isn't it? Offer your lives up to Him. That's how you show gratitude. Acceptable service reminds you of Romans 12, 1 and 2, doesn't it? With reverence and awe. You hear the word awesome and it's thrown around all the time. and It's a cool word to say. But when you really think of awesome, there's only one awesome. It's God. He, we should be in awe of Him. We should stand in awe of Him. Amazed. Struck by wonders and fear and trembling. For our God is a consuming fire. So He struck this word up here, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 11.7, when he talks about reverence or fear. Noah did his obedience because there was a fear of God. God spoke, told him about judgment. What did Noah do? He feared God. Proverbs 1.7 Many of you probably already know what we're turning to on there. Speaking about fear of God. That is so key to understanding who He is. Um, did I say Psalm or Proverbs? Oh, that's good. I said the right thing. You know what I did. I somehow turned to Proverbs. Can you imagine that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, but the ones who become wise, have knowledge, are the ones who fear God. They have an awe. There's a reverence. And when you have that, what starts up? Knowledge. Knowledge. Wisdom. God, as He is portrayed in in the Scriptures, you know what you'll see? You'll see greatness. You see magnitude. You see beauty beyond any kind of description. In awe. You know, I, I heard so many people uh, Monday on interviews on TV about the eclipse. You know, people. Some of them people were were just shivering, and uh, some people had different reactions, and some were just yelling, and some were going ah, oh. and everybody had different reactions. I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong. But they were in awe of something. That's really a, it's a natural thing. These these things do happen. It's not that often. That's and it's really amazing when you take a look at it. And and all of a sudden you don't see the sun and you you see the moon and then you see what's behind. I mean it is. It's a, it's a glorious thing to look at. And God is the one who made it. I think some people said this. I don't even think some of these people were even believers. You know. The, they were saying there's it's something that's greater than any of us. You know, and when you see Louis Giglio's videos, you know, and it just starts stretching out to the rest of the universe, all the stars and all the billions of galaxies go way beyond our own universe, and it makes you what? 
very small. And that's what a lot of people were saying, and I'm sure believers were saying that, but there could have been a lot of unbelievers saying, I feel really small. God just put a sign up there of how great He is. You know, this is His creation. Um, That should bring fear to people's hearts, shouldn't it? People should tremble about God's holiness because He's the one that made this. You know what? People realized that they were out of... They had no control on this eclipse whatsoever. Wasn't that the beauty of it? Some people were ready. Like down in Nashville, they're looking and, and this what a great day it is. And it's like there's no clouds. It's beautiful. Okay, this is great. And just before... The eclipse happened. Clouds covered it. And it got dark all right. It sure did. It was because of the clouds, but also because of the eclipse. And it really got dark. That's kind of a cool effect. And, you know, we probably were thinking here, you know, they're forecasting clouds and who knows will we see it or not. It turned out to be the most gorgeous day you can have. It was beautiful, wasn't it? It didn't have clouds, you know. But some people did have a few clouds that were going over and that was really cool too. made even another effect. But nobody could do anything. This is watched, you know, probably worldwide by TV, but just a certain area, you know, that are really getting to experience this firsthand. People driving for hundreds and hundreds of miles. Isn't that amazing? They were in awe. But they were out, they knew. They could not do a thing about it. This is being televised. There's got to be something we can do. Is there something that we can put, like, take the salt out of the air? Or can we take the humidity out, you know, go up there and burn those clouds away so that people can see this? Man couldn't do a thing. It's totally helpless. That's the way we have to see everything. We are absolutely, totally helpless for us to hear today, for us to be able to see, speak. All of the senses, everything that we've done this morning really has come by His power. It wasn't generated by us, even though we have what a great gift we have in these bodies. But let me tell you, it's all from Him. Are, are, we, uh, are we giving gratitude because of that? We need to fear God, to have a healthy fear, a a biblical view of wisdom and knowledge. Chapter 9, verse 10 of Proverbs. After the Psalms comes Proverbs. So chapter 9, verse 10, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When one the first time fears God that's when wisdom comes and the knowledge of the who? the Holy One is understanding we have wisdom we have understanding we have knowledge from God's Scripture about this Holy One Holy One means one who is transcendent He goes above and beyond this created universe and all the universes. He made them. He's separated from them. He made them. He made us. What a God. 
Man, if that doesn't make one fear Him because He's the Maker of all this, then how do people live without that knowledge? If we see God as He is portrayed in the Scripture, we will fear Him in a godly way. Yeah, there should be a fear. It should strike fear and terror in our hearts because of what God will do to this world someday. We have to see Him as He is seen in the Bible, not what we think and like to make up. That's idolatry. We want to have an accurate view of God based upon Scripture. Not our own thinking, but based upon Scripture that then wields our thinking into the way that God really is. Now when we're seeing it as the way He sees it, that's having faith. It's realizing that what He says is true. The holiness of God should strike terror in people's hearts. When one sees that God alone is holy, there is no other holy one. God is holy. God is separated from all others. He's in a class of His own, isn't He? There's no other gods. There's no one else like Him, it says in Isaiah. When you see God in His holiness, your heart should be quaking. And that's what we want to look at the holiness of God. We should see fear. Something like maybe your father, your mother said, don't you do that. Because if you do, I will discipline you. I mean it. It's going to happen. And it happened. We didn't like that, did we? That struck fear in our hearts. We'd not do it, or we would do it and make sure we're not caught. Ha ha. Yeah, Mom always knows she had a third eye somewhere. She saw everything. My sons used to say that. We feared that discipline, didn't we? We didn't want to be disciplined. We didn't want to displease our parents. Fear of ourselves. When you have a right view of God, you don't trust yourself anymore. Man, the older I get, the more I don't trust myself. And there's a lot of reasons for that. <laughs> Sometimes my body doesn't do what it used to do. I don't trust myself there. Sometimes I don't remember things that I should be remembering. I don't trust myself. When I go to work, I'm on my way to work, you know, and I say, Lord, I turn everything over to you. I depend upon your wisdom and you know your power to to work within me, you know, physically and mentally, spiritually. Because Lord, I don't trust myself. I'm I'm afraid that I can make mistakes. Lord, I'm dependent on you to help me do this. We know our weaknesses, don't we? Do we know our weaknesses? Yeah, we do. If you don't, you haven't been looking at the Word of God. You know your unholy inclinations. You know what they are. You know what you're inclined to do. And when you see God for who He is, you go, whoa, I don't want to do something that will displease Him. Oh, the holiness of God, it should strike tears and fears. 
don't trust in ourselves, but we walk with a fear of sin as well as of God. This is what the Bible means when it says godly or holy fear. Remarkable thing about fearing God is when you fear God, you fear nothing else. This is what Oswald Chambers says. You fear nothing else when you fear God. But whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Hmm. Sinners, would we believe that God hates our sin? Do we believe that? He does. We don't want to be careless in our lives because our sin is a wicked abomination. We treat our sins as lighthearted. We take the pleasure of the world. We need God to help illuminate our hearts, our thinking, our eyes, to to understand what God says about who He is and what He says about our sin. Would that strike terror in our hearts knowing that God lives? It's not just what He says about heaven and all the promises and all a blessed life is and that is tremendous. But we need to believe all that God has said. Noah did that. Noah believed God when he was given the instructions. He believed that there's going to be a judgment coming. So, that was our second one. Faith motivates fear of God, doesn't it? When you have faith, it gives you a fear, a good reverence of God. And that also means to have a relationship with Him. It's an awe and reverence a relational aspect. It's a good thing. A good fear. A good reverence of God. Well, what happened when Noah had the Word of God as we saw in point one And the fear of God, as we have seen in point two. Point three, because of that, he obeys God. In in the working of faith, what does it do? Faith obeys God. Trust, obey. Ooh, sounds like a song. (laughs) Trust and obey, for there's no other way. That's it, isn't it? That's our life. That's really the life that we are to live. So what did He do? What did He do? He prepared an ark for the salvation of His household. He did it. He believed it. He feared God because of that. And He did it. He prepared an ark. You say, yeah, okay, great. I would have done that. How do I build it? Well, God gave him all the directions that he needed to do it. Here's how you do it. It's going to be 120 years, folks. Okay, you know, one year I'll pop, pop this thing up. This thing is like an ocean liner, only it's a box. 
It's as big as an ocean liner. It's huge. 120 years. He believed God all that time. I'm sure there were days, Lord, are you sure what I'm doing here is right? Well, you told me. Of course I'm Sorry. A 15,000 ton ship. There's going to be a flood coming. There's going to be judgment. It's inevitable. He obeys. We know there's going to be a judgment on earth. The heavens and the earth, it's going to be by fire. Do we know that? Yeah, absolutely sure. Do you hear it on the networks? Do you hear it on the news? No. You don't. It's just like the people back then. They didn't know there was going to be a flood. Yeah, well, they actually did. Noah preached that for 120 years. They can't say, well, we didn't know. How are we supposed to believe that? They were making fun of Noah for 120 years. What a fool he is. Sometimes as a Christian, have you felt like people were thinking you were a fool? What are you doing? It's not doing you any good. You're wasting your life. Have you ever heard people tell that to you? Or maybe you knew that's what they were thinking? He's a preacher of righteousness. First of all, just by his actions and what he's doing here. God told him exactly what to do. He went along with this work program. It's inevitable. No one knows it's going to come. It's a devastating, worldwide, cataclysmic judgment upon this earth to flood it all. And and I I, um, I think of the what's happening down in Texas with that hurricane. You know, that's a a tremendous cataclysmic aspect that's happening there and in a, in a big sense. And whenever I hear 15, 20 to 30 inches in certain places, if you've ever been to Port Lavaca, but that's where it hit, I, I was there before. It just seemed like a few years ago and Carol and I were talking about this, yeah, that was like 35 <laughs> or 40 years ago when we were there. Wow, it just seemed like about 4 or 5. And if you know that area and you think, boy, that's real. What I'm saying is we need to be praying for those people because if we were part of that, we'd sure be wanting people praying for us because they're going to go through a time in the next few days, few weeks, and few months. Uh, they're devastated. They, they lose everything. Their homes, jobs. It's, just, it's hard to believe. It's hard to imagine. And I say that with compassion for them. But the flood that God brought wasn't just in one area, one state. It covered the whole earth. And it took out everybody. The one family. So this is why Noah prepared this ark. He wasn't for sure all that would happen. But he believed this. He was preaching that the only escape is righteousness. How amazing. 
And it is, he preached for 120 years. How many converts did he have? Zip. What are you doing? No, you must be doing something wrong. You can talk to a lot of missionaries. They'll be in a country where the gospel had never been preached very little. Think of India, where it's preached there in years and years and years. There were no converts. Wouldn't you think that after the first year you pack it up and you go back home? Sometimes you may not see a lot of fruit or you may not see any fruit. It may be there, you may not see it. But does that mean, ah, this must not be it, so I'm going to quit this, I'm going to go and move on to something else. Is that what we do? <coughs> According to this, this puts us to shame. <laughs> did this for 120 years. How many people do you know that's lived 120 years in your lifetime? I'm sure there's somebody out there, you can probably pick it up on the news, somebody's 122 years old or something. But it's really, really rare. But can you imagine doing something for 120 years? 50 years to us seems like a long time. Folks, Noah did this immediately, but he did it persistently. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. By the way, I'm going to read another verse as a bonus. Don't ever forget this. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you go out and you just skip out of church just to say, oh, I've got something I'd rather do today rather than do at church. Now it could be sickness, you could be traveling, there would be many reasons why you can go. But if you just skip out, just stay at home just because it feels like a comfortable thing to do, and I don't get many days off, so I'm just going to take the day off. He says here, we need to be stimulated. That's what the one another's do in church for good deeds. And if you miss, you miss out on being encouraged. And you miss out on encouraging others. So others miss out on that. Do you see what this is about? Hold fast the confession of our hope. The day is drawing near. I mean, it says there's going to be judgment coming. Not judgment to Christians, but there will be as far as sin and righteousness and judgment. So he says that's a serious thing because Christ is coming back. So that's why we come to church. 
It's really to worship this holy God. So I put that in there because sometimes it would be tempting. But you know what? You wind up missing it and say, boy, I can't wait to get back to church next week. But there are reasons. You know, I'm not doing a legal thing, but I'm just saying that's that's how important it really is. It is our life, isn't it? Well, the world didn't obey. I know that Noah was not popular. Do you think anybody liked his message that he gave? He looked like an idiot. It's this guy with his big beard, which is you know real popular today anyway. I guess he had a big beard. Of course, they all did, but there he is. I just see the pictures, you know, Noah. But Noah had some help. Remember, he did have sons and such. But uh, you know, he's the one in charge of this. He was not popular. They were not popular. You know what? I have to think that not only was he not popular with them, I think they were really angry at him. Do you know when you really talk about God's holiness and fearing God and the righteousness of God and His judgment to come, do you know of any person that likes to talk and hear about that kind of thing? That would be a non-believer? I mean, that that's really what... People don't like to hear judgment. Why is it that in the modern church today they don't like to talk about God's judgment? Because people don't want to hear that. They want to hear about how they their finances can get better. <laughs> you know, they want to hear how um, maybe I can be more healthy in my physical life. Uh, those are important things. But is that the reason why we come here? It's to worship God. It's about who? It's Him. It's not about me. Oh, I didn't get anything out of that. No, the question is, is did God get something out of that? Did He get our worship out of that as we read it? Even if you didn't get much preaching of the Word of God, if it's read, you can say, this is worship of God because it's this is His Word. The only thing is, the reading of the Word has become kind of passe also. And so therefore, if the reading of the Word is passe, so is the Word of God preached. And so therefore, we get these neat little helpful things for our lives as we live it. Well, I can't think of anything more practical than what faith is because it is our life, isn't it? And it's about trusting God no matter what. And there are promises and hopes as we read here today. Well, you've been talking about fearing God, and that doesn't sound... And you've been talking about judgment of God. Yeah, because it's there. But we also know to come here, there are hopeful things too. By the way, we sung that first song just to start off with, the song of hope. (laughs) We have hope. We are not judged. We have been judged if you're Christians. So, true faith will produce a work of obedience. If you have true faith, and you know what it says in James, I'm not going to read that text right now, but in James 2, faith will show that it is true by the works of one. God calls us to serve Him, to obey Him by faith. Obedience will separate us from the world. It sure separated Noah from the world. They didn't appreciate his message because nobody responded. 
Romans 12.2 I already mentioned this earlier. I'll read it this time. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Did Noah do that? Yep. He was not conformed to the world. Otherwise, if he would have stayed consistent with the way the world acted, he would not have built that ark. He would have quit somewhere along the line. I don't see another word that's spoken by God to Noah. Could have been. It's not written. But we don't see that. I'm sure for 120 years that he just trusted God. He did what God told him. He's saying, God, are you sure? Oh, okay. yeah, okay, I know. I know. I know what you said. Yeah, that's right. I've got to go back to what you said. He proved what the will of God was. What was the will of God? That he build the ark and his family get in it and be saved. It was good. It was acceptable. It was perfect. He proved this faith. He proved proved it by His obedience. He received ridicule. He received scorn. How do you tell others, hey, you need to know that there's a righteous and holy God and He's going to flood this earth. There's a flood coming. (laughs) They're going, what? Crazy. What's a flood? What are you talking about? Rain. They don't have an idea what flood is. Well, Noah doesn't exactly probably know what's going to happen either, but he says, God has given me to tell you that here's the ark. He's going to judge. What would you have said? You grew up from a child seeing this man, Noah, you turned into an adult. Day after day, you'd look at that thing and it's getting pretty big. You heard all the others mock. You heard all the others just teasing. You can imagine how they talked back uh, behind the back of, of Noah and his family. But Noah feared God more than he feared man. Can you imagine all the abuse that his family must have received? There's his family, you know, his sons, and you know, they hear it, you know, and hey, what's wrong with your dad? (laughs) It's crazy, man, isn't he? He's a fool. Heard it constantly, didn't he? I'm sure he did. You know what? Fear God, no matter what others will say. Holiness means separation. And it does separate us from people. People that we'd not like to be separated from. We are holy in the way we talk. Listen, we as Christians need holy lips. Watch what you say. It might be some words that is innocent now. It used to be a cuss word, but it's okay. It's acceptable by the world now. It's a lot of bathroom words that I hear Christians say, and I'm going, I don't think that is right. The world is saying, it's, hey, it's okay. And they'll use those words. 
Folks, you go on the, on the internet, those words are going to be there forever, what you put out there. All the social media. When you say something, you speak something, uh, it, it goes out there anyway. Watch what you say. Be holy by the way that you speak. Be holy by the things that you see. Be holy by the things you listen to. We have to be separate from the world. We are in it. And we are supposed to be, but we're not of it. We're talking the the way that the world uh, acts and, and does. The way that we look. The way that we act. We are to be holy. And I think the pulpits today are afraid to talk about that. But we too are to separate ourselves from things that is not right. Sometimes there's no distinction between the church and the immodest world. Obedience is costly. And yet people can see you as a fool. Look in Mark chapter 8, 34 and 35. Jesus' words here. Some in the crowd with his disciples said to them, This is kind of like a practical aspects of Jesus preaching. It's an invitation here to everyone. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it here. But whoever loses his life for my sake, and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, it was at that time, it still is, the one who is ashamed of the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when He comes in the glory, the glory of His Father with His holy angels. The cost of discipleship. Remember when Nondor gave a a Tuesday night Bible study dealing with the cost of discipleship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And that's a great picture, a great illustration that was brought forth on what it is to be a Christian. It's a cost you got to count the cost first. If you roll and be a Christian, well, here it is. Deny yourself. Take up the cross. A cross. cross to them was not a piece of jewelry. It was a matter of death. Be willing to die. Crucify yourself as you walk here spiritually. Follow Christ. Don't follow the world, right? Heavy stuff here, folks, isn't it? This is heavy. That's what obedience is. It's costly. Look at the life of Noah. What God warned him of. What God told him to do. What a costly thing. He, where'd, those, where'd that ark 
come from? I mean, what was it made of? Wood. Is there plenty of wood there? Sure. Uh, did he go to the lumber yard? He went and cut trees down, didn't he? And then he prepared that wood so that it could be fit for the ship. Boy, the Lord is really requiring something here. A cruise liner. How many times has God had us move from the comfortable to the uncomfortable? God, I've never done this before. Faith will always ask you to do something that you've never done before. And so therefore we go to the fourth part. Getting ready to close here. It is my last page. Actually, there's a fourth and fifth. I forgot about the rewards. But that's still on the same page. Noah condemned the world as he prepared in, in obedience the ark for the salvation of the household by which he condemned the world. So that's a fourth point. He condemned the world. He, he, he's going to be vindicated by judgment on the world. They judged him for 120 years. They are judged eternally. Noah built the ark. By building of it, the world judged him. Every tree that was cut down, every axe stroke... Everything that was put together is pronouncing judgment. They didn't respond. They laughed at Noah. Noah has the last laugh. As long as he built that box, he was preaching coming judgment. Everybody's saying that crazy Noah. <laughs> you got neighbors there, and they're saying, Man, that is an eyesore. It just looks ridiculous. Big old thing in his yard over there. Go into the ark. God closed the door of the ship. Here's what's remarkable. I kind of forgot about this. What happened then? The flood started as soon as they got in there with all the animals, right? No. I forgot this. Seven days after they got into the ark, they were in the ark. God had closed the door. Is that a test? You mean Noah's done this for 120 years and he's going to get seven more days? Yeah. He gets tested. I'm sure he's tested the animals. This is driving me crazy. Nothing's even happening. Why are, why are we in here? Mrs. Noah, wonder what she's saying. What are, what are the kids saying? You know? I say kids. I don't know how many hundreds of years old they were at the time. Wow. Seven days he got tested. Lord, I believe you no matter what. God says, come out from among you, among them and be separate. We enjoy much of the world's entertainment and pleasures. 
some of those things should be shut up. We are to be dead to the world. We enjoy too much of, of the things. And I'm not saying to not have joy and pleasure in this world. You know me. I'm always talking about joy, you know, and just having a good time, having fun. You know, I'm not saying that, hey, you give that up. You know, and, and it's ultimately, it's all for God's glory anyway, so you have to be able to draw the line. But I'm saying just being taken in by the world's pleasures and entertainment and saying the same thing that they are and using the same kind of language and the, the, the visual things and such that can be done, we have to be really careful. Um, we can't stand to be in the prayer closet more than for a couple of minutes, right? Because there are things tugging us out there that we need to get done. And we have to kind of keep it open so we can hear things and, and see things in the world's play rather than being alone with, with God. Charles Spurgeon said this in a message that he preached. You might as well be dead cries, one. You might as well be dead to society. Exactly so, and that is what the child of God looks for. Spurgeon said, ye are dead. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're buried with Him by baptism in death. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Paul said that in Galatians. If he had lived with the world, Noah would have lived with the world. He would have died with the world. You know that? If he wouldn't have obeyed, he would have gone too. Only in separation is there salvation. C.H. Spurgeon. Flood also is a picture of the judgment to come. There was one judgment. There was another judgment to come. If you're Christians, you've gone into the ark. You're waiting for that judgment. The seven-day waiting could be seven years. It could be 70 years. It could be 700 years. You're still waiting. It could be 7,000 years. It could be on and on and on, right? But you're, if you're in Christ, you're in the ark. What a great picture. Faith is rewarded. After all this, we see it did happen. The judgment did come. The rains did come. And the boat moved out. God brought on 40 days of rain, night and day. And then it's like a year later that they're able to get out of the boat, right? Right? Now, they're going to have rain down in Texas, having it now, and they'll have it for a few more days. They're going to have inches and feet, even a foot of rain. But this covered the whole earth. It wasn't just 20 inches of rain. He's a type of Christ, isn't he? Noah is a type of Christ as he led the people. And of course, the ark, we're in the ark. That's where we get our safety. We're in Christ. 6.18 Genesis, But I'll establish My covenant with you and you shall enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. I'm going to establish My covenant with you. Enter the ark. Enter Christ. That's the invitation to anyone who has not trusted Christ. Come to Christ, right? Heir of righteousness. This specifies grace, doesn't it? As he closes out here, 
he became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. The recipient of grace. One who is going to inherit a home from one who dies. Hundreds of thousands of dollars even. They become an heir to that. They didn't do anything to get it. That other person worked for that money, that house. But the person who was the heir did nothing. Isn't that a great picture of grace? Unmerited. Favor from another person. A gracious gift. Noah did not earn his righteousness because he built the ark. It's because God had already saved him because the righteousness that was put in him as he looked forward to an ultimate Messiah. That's grace. That's favor. Noah was granted favor. He was a recipient of the grace of God. The righteousness of God was given to him. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah wasn't a perfect man, but he's perfect in Jesus Christ because Christ met the demands that was perfection and the Father was pleased as Christ gave His life for us. We just receive that by faith. How do we make sense of this? Noah work, build that ark. Believing that God was going to do it? Yes. It's a, it's a proof that saving faith produces saving actions. It saved him and his family. If a man has and a woman has genuine saving faith, they are going to act like it. They're going to live that way. They're going to be obedient. They're going to do what's there. He's going to obey God because moved with godly fear. The Word of God, fear God, then obey God. And preach God's good news to the lost. Pray for people who are lost. Move with godly fear. And knowing that in the end, the reward is all there. Noah was able to get out of the boat, he and his family, and repopulate the earth. What an amazing story. Sounds like a little kid's Bible story. It's overwhelmingly true. Scientifically. And historically. Chronologically, there was flood. And it's being proven by science every day. Geologically. There's a museum dealing with that that has the ark there. It's a great model. Godly fear. Holy reverence and awe before this holy great God. The work of faith. Faith works. Father, we thank You. Thank You for showing that You're a holy God. Thank You for allowing us to serve You to be obedient to You. It's all in Your power so that we can tell of the bad news and the good news to proclaim the Gospel. And we know in the end, even if nobody responds off of our Gospel, or a hundred or a thousand or more, 
it still comes down to just being faithful and preaching it and let you work with that because you are the one doing it. Thank You for Your Word this morning. May it have spoken to every one of us here and may we not spill it as we go out the steps this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.